five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Now, you may be thinking, why am I getting this episode on probably what is March 11th, uh, Thursday, March 11th? And the answer to that question is, I was sick yesterday. So generally speaking, I will record on the Tuesday late in the evening, and I will post on the Wednesday morning. Um, obviously, if you're a regular listener, if you're one of maybe the one or two people out there, um, then you will notice that this is posting late. And that's, as I mentioned, because I was sick yesterday. Um, when it came time to record, uh, I had virtually no voice and was definitely not feeling up for a late night recording and posting. Uh, so I popped some NyQuil, popped some medicine, and got in bed nice and early. And after a good night's sleep and a day full of, you know, tea with a little bit of honey, uh, I'm feeling much better. Uh, that said, I'm hopefully going to finish recording this relatively soon as well. Although, I mean, if we're being honest, it's probably going to be about an hour because that's usually how long the episodes are. And then I will go to bed, get a good night's sleep again, and hopefully be feeling even better tomorrow. And speaking of that... Uh, I'm going to do some of this old rigmarole, uh, go through some of the housekeeping stuff, and then I will uh, drop a surprise announcement there uh, that relates to tomorrow evening. So, without further ado, let's uh, get into episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. J.M., you can call me Jordan. Uh, you can find me on all the socials at Sir DRJM. So go ahead and give me a follow there, um, especially on Twitter. I would really love for people to engage with me on Twitter. Um, if you have suggestions, questions, comments, anything for the show, let me know. And I will uh, look at integrating and bringing that onto the show. Now, um, for the minor announcement that I mentioned there relating to tomorrow night, uh, I've recently started streaming on Twitch. Now, this is probably a little preemptive given that I've done it literally one night. However, I spent a good uh, week or so getting the streaming rig set up and everything just because I am streaming from a console. And the reason for that I was going to mention is because I'm not actually, well, I mean, I do normally play Overwatch on console, but I'm not actually going to be streaming Overwatch, at least not right away. Um, if you're into other games, definitely check me out. It's twitch.tv slash SirDRJM, just like I mentioned, SirDRJM on all my socials. And I'm actually planning to stream all of the mainline Ratchet & Clank games on uh, the PlayStation consoles leading up to the launch of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart in June. So it's definitely going to be a bit of an undertaking given, given that we've got about three months here. In fact, by the time this posts, it will be exactly three months to launch. Um, and I've got to get through, I believe, nine mainline games. And there's two that are sort of offshoots gameplay-wise um, that, honestly, I'm probably going to have to cut out just given the time constraint. Um, but uh, I'm hoping to uh, get into a bit of a schedule and then I can actually post something like that and make sure I, I post uh, on Twitter as well as uh, to my story on Instagram when I am going live. So going live. So if you're interested in that at all, I would love to have you there and I would love to talk to you in chat while I go through uh, what is probably one of my favorite series of games. Um, and just an FYI, I will be playing the Ratchet and Clank collection on PS3 rather than the original three games, four games, the first four games 
on PS2 just because uh, the PS3 seems like a better option for that with, uh, you know, given HD graphics and everything like that, as well as uh, streaming capabilities and such, although that was a bit of a hurdle, but I got through that anyways. Now then... Um, back to your regular, regularly scheduled programming here. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow there, leave a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. Now, for today's show, we're going to be again covering two weeks worth of Overwatch-related news, including some required reading that I'll talk about in a moment here. Uh, we'll look at the Steel Series Invitational, which happened uh, just a couple weeks back. We'll look at some buffs. We'll look at some recently announced uh, in-game challenges coming up, as well as Season 27 of Competitive. And we will also touch on some breaking news from today that I will get into later on. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Playtime's over. All right, so as I mentioned, uh, we're going to start the show off with a little bit of required reading. Um, and the reason for that is because over on .esports.com, on February 23rd, so we're rewinding time a little bit here, uh, Jacob Wolf and Liz Richardson posted an article called How the Overwatch League Pushed for the LA Valiant to Move to China and What Comes Next. Um, now, I've marked this one as required reading because uh, it is a little bit of a lengthy one, um, but it kind of goes into a lot of the uh, background, or or at least what they found the background to be, um, with the recent LA Valiant move to China. Um, so I won't, I won't uh, spoil it too much because it is a very good read, um, and you should definitely check it out. And also, we should all applaud Liz Richardson and Jacob Wolf for their hard work that I'm sure went into the investigative journalism uh, behind this article. So definitely go check that out. Give them the click. Give them the read, because it is a fantastic one. Now, first news story on the docket today uh, is also from .esports.com, and it is also from Liz Richardson, this time posted on March 1st. So we're getting a little more recent here, uh, about a week and a half ago here. Uh, Liz wrote, What we learned from the Overwatch League Steel Series Invitational, and the byline reads, The gladiators still reign, but with chaotic metas and impressive European teams, the West region is looking wild. So let's dive in. To fill the void of comp competition until the Overwatch League begins on April 16th, Teams and sponsors have hosted invitational tournaments. On February 28th, gaming peripheral designer SteelSeries held its own invitational, bringing together two North American standouts and both of the Overwatch League's European teams. This was the first time fans got to see, this, see the rebuilt London Spitfire and Paris Eternal rosters in action. Both teams drew heavily from European Overwatch contenders' talent, and those young, hungry players showed off during the SteelSeries Invitational. While the Boston Uprising were also in their best form, the Los Angeles Gladiators ended up racking up their second off-season tournament win in a matter of months. The Steel Series Invitational was a quick tournament with only three games and is well worth a review. If you're low on time, we've gathered some thoughts about what these performances mean for the 2021 Overwatch League season. Now, I'm just taking a look at the article here. Uh, you know what? I probably will not read this whole article because it is quite in-depth. Um, Liz does a great job of summarizing sort of all of the different teams that, that competed. Com competed? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know what? Let's file this under required reading as well, but I'm going to read you some of it. So, let's jump to the Los Angeles Gladiators. The Los Angeles Gladiators aren't immortal, but they're still pretty damn good. 
Many fans and analysts predicted that the Gladiators would roll through the Steel Series Invitational, racking up 3-0 wins all the way to the $7,000 grand prize. While the Gladiators eventually took the title in a dominant fashion, the team had to claw their way to the grand finals through the London Spitfire. At multiple times during the qualifier match, which ended in a 3-2 Los Angeles win, the Gladiators' normally crisp squad looked split and confused. Most teams would have mentally checked out at this point, but seasoned players like off-tank indie Space Halpern and main support Grant Moth Espey used their experience to rally their team back into shape. London's impressive synergy was an issue for the Gladiators as a new addition, oh, sorry, as was new addition Shax on McCree. As the series progressed, Los Angeles adapted from a composition that relied on bird rings, uh, subpar Sombra to one that allowed the adept DPS to face battles head-on. The Los Angeles roster was impressive for both both their performance in the 3-0 final against the Boston Uprising and how they rallied to avoid a possible defeat against the Spitfire. The Gladiators are now tied with the Shanghai Dragons in off-season, quote, tournament, wins at two per team. Now, one thing I should have mentioned earlier on in the show, this is obviously not in the article, um, I apologize if I'm a little tongue-tied today. My throat is still a little sore from being sick, so yeah, deal with it. Um, let's see, who else do we have here? So also in her article, she covers the Boston Uprising, the Paris Eternal. Oh, and that looks to be it. Uh, she doesn't actually have a subheader for the London Spitfire. However, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's because she just talked about them against the Gladiators. So let's read Boston's as well. Um, Boston being one team that obviously, as we all know, finished off the previous season in a very tough spot um, and uh, is looking at least somewhat promising. So it reads like this. The Boston Uprising, finally, have hope. The Uprising have, been, have long been the punchline of the Overwatch League, rarely rising above the lower quarter of the leaderboard over the past two years. This tournament was the team's chance to show that new additions and a revamped coaching staff could lead to a brighter future. With a 3-2 win against the Paris Eternal, Boston fans may finally be allowed to have a little hope heading into the 2021 Overwatch League season. New additions like rookie DPS Valentine and main support Faith shine during the series. Valentine's Echo and Genji Finesse should worry the team's future competitors. More importantly, Boston's additions seem to have enabled the team's existing players. Off-tank Punk and Spectacular Flex support Myungbong were finally given the space and support to show their true talents. Even though Boston was slapped down by a renewed Gladiator squad in the tournament's grand finals, they were truly impressive for the first time in years. So there you go. Um, that breaks down the Los Angeles Gladiators, a little bit of the London Spitfire, and of course the Boston Uprising. Now the one team I'm not going to read there is the Paris Eternal, um, because I just am not going to, because I don't want to steal all of Liz's article. Um, she also talks a little bit more about the fact that there isn't really an established meta right now, so that definitely makes uh, competition a little bit weird, and you can see that teams are in a lot of ways kind of experimenting a bit and playing around with things. Um, and she also talks about sort of the what we're seeing overall um, in terms of the Western uh, division of the league. So go give that a read because it is a good one. Now, the next article we're going to break down comes from our friends at Dexerto. And this article is by Michael Gwilliam, posted on March 4th, and it reads... Overwatch March 4 update buffs Genji, Reaper and May, nerfs Zarya. Patch notes. The March 4 update may only be experimental, but these tests have their changes go through to the live game more often than not, so expect to see them in ranked and quick play modes next week.
Genji is one of the big winners of this patch as his Shoryuken recovery has been reduced from 0.75 to 0.68 seconds. This should make the Cyborg Ninja even more effective outside of just Nanoblade. Speaking of his ultimate, however, to compensate, the cost of Dragon Blade has been increased by 15%. May also becomes a lot tankier at this patch. Now her Cryo Freeze healing will more reliably get the Ice Queen back to full health as it sees a buff with its healing per second improved from th sorry 37.5 to 50. Farah is getting a massive aerial buff that sees her Hover Jet generation uh, regeneration rate increased. According to community manager Josh Nash, the dev team is, quote, adjusting Farah's fuel regeneration rate to more easily allow her to maintain uptime at reasonable heights. These changes are mindful of not allowing too high a regeneration rate to avoid her being able to maintain extreme heights. Reaper's shotgun rework is looking even more like a buff with these changes too. While his spread and damage were changed up a few weeks ago, these new buffs will see damage per projectile increased from 5.5 to 6. On the tank side, Sigma's barrier is going to be online far more often now. While the cooldown was nerfed from 2.5 seconds, it's been buffed again, and it's been reduced to just 2 seconds. That should greatly help Sigma assert dominance in the main tank role. Finally, Zarya is getting nerfed. The only nerf this patch sees her energy drain rate increased from 1.6 to 1.8 seconds. The devs say this is because, quote, Zarya is a consistent hero within the tank category for a number of team compositions. We've... Uh, sorry, we're slightly increasing her energy drain rate to bring her average energy between engagements, down between engagements. Sorry, again, tripping over my words there. Um, the article does then outline the actual patch notes uh, in relation to all of these heroes. Um, so if you're curious what they say exactly, go seek that out. Um, however, that is a nice summary of it. So let's touch on a few of those. Um, Genji and Mei, I won't say too much about. Um, Mei's seems impressively... Uh, beefier on her part, you know, 3.75 healing to 50 is quite significant and should get her back to full health quite a bit quicker. Um, Ferez is also an interesting one because I think the, reading between the lines, I think the big deal with Farah right now is that Echo kind of made her obsolete, um, in a lot of ways at least. You know, Farah's slow or relatively slow moving projectiles plus her flight uh, being somewhat constrained to, you know, uh, she boosts up in the air, and then she kind of drops down and hovers a little bit. Um, does make her quite a bit more restrictive, I think, than a character like Echo, who also, for all intents and purposes, has the ability to fly, um, but her takeoff is a lot quicker. Her actual flying is a lot more sort of, I don't know how to say it, but flighty um, as her as her cooldown on her, uh, on her takeoff move. Uh, uh, whatever becomes available again um she's able to shift back and forth more rapidly as well as her her abilities her primary fire is a lot quicker than Farah's, and then her secondary fire also with the uh the sticky bomb sort of effect um does a ton of damage so although Farah i think has has more in terms of splash damage from her rockets and and higher damage um upon direct contact of those rockets i think this will hopefully give Farah a little more uh, flight ability to kind of help her, you know, compete with, uh, with Echo, who I think gets a ton of play these days. Moving on from there, uh, Reaper, I won't talk too much about because I, I don't have much to say on that. Uh, Sigma's buff kind of surprises me because I think Sigma, as far as I've seen, has never dropped out of meta. Um, I think he always will be in meta because he's such a more varied, 
uh, tank than a lot of other choices. Um, you know, especially someone like, well, I don't want to say too much. Uh, most of the tanks are actually pretty decent, I think, right now. Um, and then Zarya getting nerfed, like they say, Zarya is also a consistently chosen tank. Um, kind of pairs well with a lot of other pairings. Um, so not incredibly surprised to see her get a bit of a buff there. Or, sorry, a bit of a uh, nerf there. Just to uh, bring her in line a little bit better. Now, our next article comes from Forbes. And this is written by Chris Holt, posted on March 9th. And reads, Overwatch's Patrimarchy Challenge has a cute Roadhog skin up for grabs. The latest Overwatch skin challenge is now live, and Blizzard has revealed that you'll be able to snag a new look for Roadhog during the limited time event. Earn 9 wins across the competitive quick play and arcade modes by March 22nd, and the Roadhog Patrimarchy skin is all yours. Here's what it looks like. There's a, then a screenshot embedded. In the trailer Blizzard posted, which you can see below, you can see more of the skin. The belt says that Roadhog is Patrimarchy's number one fan. That's adorable. The skin, of course, is themed around Pachamari, the cute Overwatch mascot that can be found in many of the game's maps. If you earn three wins during the event, you'll scoop up a player icon. Six victories, and you'll claim a Pachamari emote for Roadhog's buddy Junkrat. You'll also be able to earn up to six sprays by logging in. There's another Roadhog skin on the way soon. Ahead of the 2021 Overwatch League season getting underway, you'll be able to buy a San Francisco Shock-themed look. The skin is one of the Shock's prizes for winning the 2020 title. The Pachamarchi Challenge arrives alongside the latest Overwatch patch and the delayed start of competitive season 27. So not really a ton to talk about there. Um, yes, this is a the latest in, in Blizzard's uh, limited time events. Um, as I mentioned there, March 9th through the 22nd. So this started yesterday, two days ago, by the time you're probably listening to this. Um, and essentially, you know, get your nine wins, get the Roadhog skin. Um, it is a pretty cool one, if I do say so myself. Um, I like that it's it's got kind of this squid arm, just like the Pachamaris have uh, on Roadhog's shoulder. Um, you know, n doesn't compare to a legendary skin, but it's pretty cool nonetheless. Now, as that last article hinted at, the next article reads, Season 27 of Competitive Overwatch is now live. And this is posted on March 9th by Liz Richardson over on .esports.com. Overwatch players are happy to see a new competitive season kick off after weathering a host of issues last week. Competitive Season 27 is now live on all platforms, giving players a chance to jump into placement matches and begin their long journey up the leaderboards. The new season was originally supposed to begin on March 4th, immediately after Season 26 wrapped. Around 1pm CT, the season changed as usual, but players immediately began noticing serious issues. Normally, hardcore Overwatch competitive enthusiasts will instantly hop into placement matches with when a new season begins, but this time those players were unable to play placement matches and found they couldn't enter competitive mode whatsoever. The competitive card, which normally shows the season number, also showed a 0 instead of 27. After a few hours, the developers announced that season 26 would be extended over the weekend while they fixed rollout issues. Season 26 was extended until March 9th to give players the option to continue grinding the ranked ladder. Season 27 has officially began today alongside the launch of the Pachamarchi Challenge. Since every competition season lasts two months, this later start date may push back the start of Season 28, which is expected to kick off at the beginning of May. Other than the delayed start date, everything else about Season 27 will be business as usual. Players can now compete, uh, complete placement matches, five per roll, and see what skill rating, SR, they'll have to work with this season. As they climb the leaderboards, players will earn competitive points as well as exclusive rewards like season-specific player icons and sprays. 
So uh, more of just an FYI on that one. Season 27 is now live, and you can, of course, begin climbing that ranked ladder. Um, I'm looking forward to getting in there. Season 26 was one of my worst competitive seasons uh, since I kind of got more into the competitive side of the game. Uh, I definitely have not have not played a ton of all the competitive seasons. Um, at this point, I've played a number of them, and I was steadily getting better, uh, climbing my way definitely from bronze to gold, uh, getting to towards the top of gold, and, and hoping to break that, you know, get out of elo hell, as they call it. Um, but uh, I never did quite get there, and then this past season just tanked me. So I digress. Um, we'll see what season 27 holds. Moving on from there, posted on March 10th by Scott Dew over on .esports, we have Overwatch's latest update adds 4K 120 frames per second support on Xbox Series X and S. And the byline of the article reads, but not for PS5. Yesterday's Overwatch update quietly added some cool graphical options on the Xbox Series X and S. The update added three new preset graphics options to the Xbox version of the game, Resolution, Balanced, and Frame Rate, that all offer different experiences for the player. Resolution mode outputs at 4K 60Hz on Series X and, 100, er, sorry, and 1440p, 60Hz on Series S, Balanced mode, quote, prefers image quality at the cost of resolution, and frame rate mode will sacrifice image quality and resolution to run the game at 120 frames per second as long as you have a TV or monitor that supports a 120 hertz refresh rate. While the console version of Overwatch still lags behind all of the graphical customization options offered by the PC version of the game, these new additions only enhance the experience of the title released in 2016. Sadly, the PlayStation 5 version of Overwatch did not receive the same treatment. It's still possible that better graphic options uh, can be added in the future, but for now, it looks like Xbox could be the next-gen console choice for Overwatch. You can view the full patch notes for yesterday's, up yesterday's update on Blizzard's website. So obviously I've got some things to say about this article. If you listen to the podcast, you know that uh, I, generally speaking, play Overwatch on console. Um, I've traditionally always been a, a console gamer. Um, I have dabbled in the PC gaming realm. I used to be big into World of Warcraft, uh, as well as crossing over into um, uh, Counter-Strike and Team Fortress 2, of course, back in the day. Um, but for the most part, I've primarily gamed on console my whole life. So that's kind of just where I stayed. And of course, when Overwatch came out, I got it on console and I've always enjoyed it there. Now, I do have a copy for PC um, that I have barely touched. However, I actually just recently sort of reconnected with some some friends and uh, learned that they actually play regularly on PC together. So I might actually be making the jump over to PC. I finally have a PC that can handle it, which I am recording on now. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. However, all of that said, uh, my PC definitely won't be able to handle the latest uh, or the, 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 what am I trying to say? The best graphics out there. Um, so I, I definitely do like the console experience where it's, you know, although you can't, you don't have as high highs as you might on PC. Um, I do enjoy the steady, uh, I guess, the steadiness of the experience on console. Now, that said, I am uh, one of the lucky few to have a PlayStation 5, and I certainly have been ant eagerly anticipating an Overwatch update that might do something like this. Now, 
seeing that they have done this for Xbox, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there is something in the works for PlayStation um, or for Sony's console. However, it's a little bit surprising that they didn't do it at the same time because generally speaking, uh, Overwatch and Blizzard have been pretty good about making sure that updates uh, hit all consoles, or not all consoles, all platforms at the same time. So I am a little bit surprised to see that they did this for the Series X and S um, and not the PlayStation 5 just yet. But at the same time, I do see this as a, a light at the end of the tunnel that we may in fact get this update uh, for PlayStation 5 just to, you know, enhance the experience a, a little bit given that we certainly don't expect to be seeing Overwatch 2 anytime soon. So cross your fingers that this means good news for Sony gamers. Um, but uh, yeah, let's move on. Now then, next up, we're going to get into some serious topics here. And because of that, I will just put it out there right now that these topics are definitely require a trigger warning. I'm actually a little bit surprised to see that uh, at least this the first article I'm going to go through does not include anything to the extent of a trigger warning at the beginning, given some of the things that are discussed. Um, but... I'm going to read this verbatim from DottieSports.com posted on March 10th, that is today, uh, by Jerome Heath, and uh, we will go from there. I'm not going to talk too, too much about my own thoughts and opinions on the article, because in my mind, it should be fairly obvious, and I will simply say right now and at the end that we should believe victims when they come forward. So, the article reads like this. Sinatra accused of sexual assault by ex-girlfriend. Jay Sinatra Wan, a professional Valorant player for Sentinels and a former Overwatch League MVP, has been accused of sexual assault by his ex-girlfriend, Cleo Hernandez. In a statement on social media, Hernandez alleged that Juan refused to use birth control, manipulated her, and guilt-tripped her into having sex over the course of a nine-month relationship. Quote, When I started dating Jay, I got an IUD because he refused to use a condom, she said. The first time we ever slept together, I told him I wasn't on birth control, and he could not finish in me. He did it anyways without my consent. Hernandez said this should have been the first red flag in the relationship, but as a stupid Overwatch League fan, she looked past it at the time. She also said that saying no to sex was not an option. If he tried to start something and I didn't want to, he would pout and say it was because I, I thought he was ugly, I wanted something else, I didn't love him, she said. He'd say anything that would make me feel guilty. He would throw a fit. Hernandez said she had to make up excuses for not wanting to have sex, but I don't want to right now, or it hurts me, wasn't good enough. I never got away with saying no without a guilt trip, she said. Sometimes he'd pretend to be okay with my excuses, but then he'd ask me for he'd ask for me to kiss him, and I'd say okay, and then he just did more and more until we had sex anyways, Hernandez said. I'd try and say no again, and he'd just push himself on me anyways. In the statement, Hernandez included an audio clip of a situation she said happened countless times in their relationship. In the clip, Hernandez can be heard saying, no, I don't want to, while engaging in sex with someone who cl she claims is Juan. I should have fought him more, she said. I should have physically pushed him, but he was my boyfriend. I loved him. If I, er, I knew if I stood up for myself, he'd leave me, so I didn't fight hard enough. Juan has yet to release a statement in response to these allegations. So, as I mentioned there, um, we should believe victims and frankly, uh, let's be better. Now there is a part two and even a part three um, that I will touch on. 
Um, so let me jump over to the part two. So we're still on .esports.com. Again, March 10th, obviously, this follows the previous article, this time by Preston Byers. And it reads like this. Overwatch League to offer refunds for Sinatra MVP skin after sexual assault allegations. The Overwatch League plans to offer refunds to players who purchased Aliens Aria, a commemorative skin intended to honor 2019 League MVP Jay Sinatra Juan. Juan, who switched from Overwatch to Valorant in 2020, has been accused of sexual assault by his girlfriend Cleo Hernandez. Hernandez alleged Juan refused to use condoms during sex, guilt-tripped her into having sex, and did not stop having sex with her when she told him to. They've then got the tweet embedded by the Overwatch League, and I will read it here. The Overwatch League is aware of allegations made against former player Jay Sinatra Juan. We take any allegations of this nature seriously and unequivocally support victims of abuse. The League is offering a refund of 200 League tokens for the Alien Overwatch League MVP skin to players who request one, at which point the skin will be removed from their collection. We'll share more information on how refunds will work soon. The Overwatch League Championship and MVP badges will be removed from the Alien skin in a future patch. As Oh, sorry. After both Sentinels, the organization he represents, and Riot Games suspended Sinatra from competing in Valorant Champions, Champions Tour North America Masters 1 event, sorry, that was a mouthful, the Owl said it would be offering refunds to anyone who bought, the, bought Alien Zarya, which released in June 2020. The League said it takes, quote, any allegations of this nature seriously and unequivocally supports victims of abuse, and that players who request the requested a refund would receive 200 League tokens and have the skin removed from their collection. Additionally, the League said the Owl Championship and MVP badges on the skin will be removed in a future patch. Among her allegations, Hernandez included a 15-second audio clip in which she says no five times to alleged sexual advances from Juan. Hernandez claimed they did not stop having having sex after the clip ended, they, quote, stopped when he was done. Sentinels released a statement today confirming Juan had been suspended amid an internal investigation. Juan has not yet responded to the allegations publicly. Now, next up, we have part three to this tale. Um, and this is, of course, uh, the part where Sinatra responds. Now, um, I am going to read this just in the interest of um, whatever, uh, journalistic integrity, if you will. I'm not a journalist. Uh, I am merely a fan of this game and this league, but I'm going to read this just to give everyone the full picture as it stands to the public. So we're still on .esports.com, continuing with the pattern, March 10th, and this time it is by Ryan Galloway. And the title reads, Sinatra Denies Sexual Assault Allegations. In his first public statement since being accused of sexual assault, professional Valorant player and former Overwatch League MVP Jay Sinatra Juan denied the allegations levied against him by his ex-girlfriend Cleo Hernandez. Juan said Hernandez, quote, recalls their relationship differently and that he never assaulted her in any way. He said he is cooperating with investigations and that he would release full audio and video clips, Hernandez included in her allegations. Specifically, Hernandez included a 15-second audio clip of an alleged assault that she said happened countless times throughout the duration of their relationship. The clip, Hernandez alleges, is of Juan refusing to stop having sex with her despite her saying no several times. In addition to the audio clip, Hernandez included screenshots of messages of alleged manipulation and emotional abuse over the course of their nine-month relationship. 
Following the release of the initial statement, many of the organizations close to Wan chose to distance themselves. Sentinels and Riot Games both suspended the player amid separate investigations, while the Overwatch League said it would issue refunds to players who purchased his 2019 Owl MVP skin. After Juan released his statement, Hernandez responded on Twitter, first criticizing Juan for not apologizing to her personally. She also responded to Juan's comments that she recalls their relationship differently than he does. They then got the tweets embedded here, although it's repeated just a little bit here. However, I'm going to read the tweets. Cleo tweets, You have never apologized to me, ever, for anything. The least you could do is message me personally, but you can't even do that. There's a second one where she says, Of course we recall the relationship differently. One of us was incredibly cruel, and one of us was scared. This does lead to different experiences in a relationship, shockingly. After that, the article continues, quote, Of course we recall the relationship differently. One of us was incredibly cruel, and one of us was scared, Hernandez said. This does lead to a different experiences in a relationship, shockingly. And then back to the article, Juan has not responded to Hernandez publicly via Twitter. So, obviously, um, quite a serious topic here, and all I want to say on it is we should support victims, and just like the League statement says, and, you know, Riot Games' statement says, um, as well as uh, Sentinels, um, they are taking actions that are appropriate at this stage, um, and they support and uh, believe the victims. Now, uh, although I don't really want to end the show on that note, uh, that actually is going to be it for this episode. Um, obviously, significantly shorter than in past weeks. Um, I'm honestly not... Well, I'm I'm partially certain of why that is, and that's because I'm still not feeling 100%. Um, however, uh, definitely a shorter show. So we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, this was episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast, where, as you know, we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I am, of course, your host at Sir DRJM. You can call me Sir, you can call me Jordan, you can call me whatever you like. Please give me a follow on Twitter and uh, all the socials. And of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, check me out on twitch.tv slash Sir DRJM. I am hoping to uh, stream again tomorrow, um, hopefully get in a couple more hours of the first Ratchet & Clank. As I mentioned there, we are going to try and play through the mainline games in the series leading up to Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart on PlayStation 5, launching on June 11th. If you like Overwatch, if you like the Overwatch League, follow the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on all your favorite podcast services. Leave us a review, leave us a like, whatever. Tell your friends, share your share the, the podcast, all that fun stuff. And of course, if you'd like to uh, give feedback or be featured on the show or have questions or anything you want me to talk about, reach out to me on Twitter at SirDRJM. So without any more stalling, that's it for today's episode, and we will catch you in two weeks' time on March 24th. Thank you 